have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left with the thankless Glenn Stansberry. Thankless. You know, Thanksgiving just around the corner, and uh, start thinking, Glenn. Uh, you're an underrated, you know, person in general. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> You mean like so? That's one way to seen, interpretate that. You've seen ratings of me, and they're not very good. Or yeah, your Yelp reviews are <laughs> in the can, man. <laughs> I gotta say, look, two stars. I had one bad day, and you know, yeah, that's what you get remembered for. You know, right. you you don't get remembered for your good days. You, you get only get one shot. Bad one. Yeah, bad days. You know, that time that you made that steak that was not great. Which time? <laughs> I've made many, many terrible mistakes. <laughs> but yeah, there is no uh, effort without error and shortcoming. So that's true. It's very wise. Mm-hmm. And speaking of being wise, Glenn, we are co-founders of a uh, wise list site called uh, Gentleman dot com. That's right. Uh, Gentleman dot com is a cornucopia. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yelp reviews are fantastic. Yep. I dare you to look them up. Maybe the best ever. I think, uh, you know, I think we've got five stars across the board. Yeah. Uh, a thousand reviews, five stars. So, um, it's, uh, that's 5,000 stars. <laughs> I'm not trying to, uh, brag, mm-hmm. but, uh, our Yelp reviews are spotless. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that means tastemakers believe mm-hmm. in com. Uh, gentleman.com you can go over there and you can check out some uh, interesting things that will impact your life mm. in a positive way mm-hmm. I think things that make you laugh things that make you cry things that make you go hmm interesting I should buy that you should you should <laughs> and you should <laughs> <laughs> everything um, that you see on Gentleman you should that's right if partake we, in if we put it up there Brian it has our personal stamp of approval hey. behind it Yelp reviews speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and once you do that, you're probably going to be interested in uh, taking a deeper dive. Mm. And there's good news for that because uh, this is episode number 147 of the Gentleman Podcast. There's 146 previous episodes mm. of the Gentleman Podcast that you can go listen to. And hopefully in succession, we like to we like to say that don't listen to just one episode. Mm. It's like a thing of Oreos. Don't just have one. Mm-hmm. You know, have the entire yeah package of Oreos. It, it, it's like twenty Tony Robbins seminars. Yeah, back to back to back to back to right. back. Right. I so, mean, yeah, just dive right in and yeah. spend one hundred and forty. It's probably like two hundred hours of material that you're going to have to listen to. I mean, and uh, it's really important to get the whole story from uh, cover to cover. And we put it out there for free. That's right. We did put it. We did. We had that pricing error where it was right. uh, zero didn't accidentally round and, free, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it's in the public domain now. Yeah, and so um, can't go back. Creative Commons license. Yeah, it's, oh. uh, real niche monetizing. It's going to be hard. But um, anyway, the point is, Glenn. I hope everybody goes out there and listens to this episode of the Gentleman Podcast and another one, and maybe another one. And then once you do that, you're probably going to want to get a hold of me and Glenn. And that's totally fine. Mm. We've anticipated this. And have set up a means for communication between you and us. And that is P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044, where we will accept your letter. We will pick it up from the post office. Uh, I will take it back home. I will then call up Glenn and say, hey, we got this letter from you. And uh, we're going to have to talk about it. Yeah. And so Glenn and I will have a conference. Mm-hmm. We'll have a meeting across the large table mm-hmm. where we'll, we'll have copies of the letter mm-hmm. on both of our sides, mm-hmm. and we'll discuss it. Um, from there, we will uh, decide what to do with it. And eventually, 
after we have made these these determinations, these very serious talks, mm. your letter will end up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. And uh, Glenn and I will talk about it on the podcast, and then we'll probably send something back to you in return because uh, we're just that kind of guy. We just feel like that's the right thing to do. And we've yeah, exactly. Um, if you can't send us a letter, that's fine. You can send us an email at howdyatgentlemen.com, although we prefer letters. Mm-hmm. We, we still do. have the ability to accept electronic communications. Right. And we have set up a avenue for you to do so. And that's at howdyatgentlemen.com. You can also uh, Instagram us and... Uh, <laughs> Show us your lifestyle brand. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you have your brand going and yep. we can... Um, you know, include that in the gentleman brand cross modulation. Uh, yeah, exactly, because that's what our Instagram's all about. Um, yeah, um, we, we do follow backs. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you follow us, isn't that a Beyonce song? Follow backs. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Glenn. Okay, so that's that's. Let, let's just call it a day there. I think I've I've talked about getting in touch with this enough. Um, I, th- I think that's good, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, let's get into the meat of the episode. This is the drink of the week this week, Glenn. And what did you bring over uh, this week for us to partake in, Glenn? Well, Brian, I brought over nothing short of an award-winning beer. And that is the Obsidian Stout by my favorite brewery. Our favorite brewery. Our favorite brewery. America's favorite brewery, Deschutes. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it our favorite brewery, Brian? Well, for starters, they have the highest rated beer that has ever graced the presence of the general podcast that's true the jubileo mm-hmm. uh circa 2015 right it uh we have our doubts about the modern version of the, of right. the jubileo you know what so speaking of jubileo i uh i bought a six pack of it over the weekend <laughs> did you and i gotta say it was pretty good okay, okay so, so maybe they we were worried because we really you know um, these ratings that the mts computer spits out yeah are taken really seriously by a yes. large amount of people. Oh man! And uh, then we t- we tried the Jubileo, kind of since we since the MTS computer rated it in 2015, and mm-hmm. it seemed a little lackluster. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad to hear that I'm not as I, I've been having trouble sleeping at night, thinking, gosh, you know, thousands of people are out there buying the Jubileo and, and discrediting the MTS computer. I mean, it, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's it's not- really good. So okay, good. So they got all their cylinders firing, and the Obsidian Stout, from what I can gather online, is that it is no exception to the rule. Um, For starters, the Deschutes website is fantastic. Mm -hmm. They don't try to, you know, it's nice. They've done a great job laying everything out. But um, So the thing I love about Deschutes Brews is that they actually give you the recipe. That's correct. Yeah, that's one of the things. You know, Brian, like, you know, there's somebody in your life and you think, man, this person has everything going on. They're so confident in themselves. There's just no, you know, they're not insecure at all, right? Mm -hmm. That's like the shoots. Mm -hmm. They say, here's how we make it. Go ahead. Go try. Well, you know, and here's another thing about this website that you've glossed over Mm. is that uh, the first tab. (laughs) <laughs> Under the beer is actually obsidian stout recipes, not Ooh. in this in the in the idea of the actual beer, which they actually do give you a recipe to mimic. Mm-hmm. If you're a home brewer, you mm-hmm. can re- mimic this beer. But also, they give you food recipes, and we're talking apple pie with the obsidian stout. We're talking Creole inspired stout chili. Ooh, Brian! We're talking stout chocolate brownies, and we're talking yellow belly burgers. Made with obsidian stout. You make a killer Guinness uh, uh, chili, right? Well, it's 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 a Irish stew. Guinness okay, Irish. I, Irish stew. Oh, that's right, Irish stew. It's not. But a... I could see how the chili could work too. I'm I'm I have understanding of beers and chilies. So <laughs> you have carnal knowledge of that. <laughs> well, I don't want to go that far, but like maybe. carne asada, car you carne have... <laughs> carne knowledge. asada knowledge. I have carne no- uh, asada. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, the obsidian stout was. It's a little pricey. It was nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Our, our average is about eight fifty, so it's not too bad. Right around ten bucks is still yeah. respectable. Mm-hmm. And given what we know about this brewery already, I was willing for them to just take my money. So, yeah. Um, they use lots of different hops. They use lots of different malts. It's a very malty, very roasty kind of beer. Fifty five IBUs, Brian. 
55 IBUs. Now that is at the very top, tippy top of our scale of acceptability. Yes, pretty high on the IBU scale. Yes, but with stouts, it seems like they kind of get... It's not quite as strong. Like everything else yeah. is just kind of... Right. It's all just a strong kind of a mm-hmm. event. Anyway. Um, yeah, notes of espresso, dark chocolate, uh, roasted malt, and black barley. And I'm seeing the alcohol by volume is uh, 6.4%. 6.4. Okay. Well, uh, those are all interesting facts. Uh, let's pour ourselves a couple, and we will um, be the tasters for the MTS computer. And fortunately, the MTS computer doesn't, at this point, have the capability to actually taste the beer. It really relies on statistics, mathematical facts, and uh, reason. (laughs) That's right. Machine learning, blockchain, Bitcoin, algorithms, artificial intelligence, and many other things. Yes. To arrive at a conclusive... Empirical, emphatical, mustache twist scale uh, rating. You could even say radical. Radical, emphatical. (laughs) Sabbatical. (laughs) It's it's a sabbatical. Cheers. All right, cheers. Mmm, smells good. Mm. Oh, man. That's pretty good. Man. Oh, that's... That is a good... Sweet mother of pearl. That's a good stout. My goodness. Mm, glass was a good choice. Oh, man. That is... Man, there's something about... I've really gotten into pouring all my beers into a glass. Yep. And having them that way. Having them out of the bottle just... I don't know. It's not the same. It's okay with the lighter stuff. When you get to the stout, though, it's got to be the glass. This oh, is a good beer. This is... <laughs> man. So I should add, I left mm. out this part. Uh, for the past uh, two years, 2017, 2016, it has got the gold for America's Best Stout from the World Beer Awards. <sighs> well, you know, they might have to add another award onto their webpage. I think 2018 is going to be... <laughs> I think it's a dead ringer for it. Mm. Gosh, this is this is delightful. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, mm. uh, knowing what you know about this beer and having tasted it, uh, what, what 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 kind of a rating would you put on this beer? Just arbitrarily, that doesn't really matter to the MTS computer. But right, as far as you'd say, if you could rate it the beer, what what would you rate it as? Well, <clears throat> I will take into consideration that it is slightly more expensive, mm. almost ten dollars. Yeah, that's a that's a yeah. Um, but boy, howdy, that is it's very good. Like one of the best beers I've had in a long, long time. Mm. I'm gonna give it a nine point three. Nine point three. Whoa! Yeah. Wow, that's I, a, I, I like it for the uninitiated. That might be the highest uh, rated uh, thing I, that we've ever no, done. I think the Jubilee was like a ninety five or something like that. But I think that was that was both of us in the oh, higher right, ranges. Right, 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 right. Because right. you said nine point three, and I'm. Right. No. You, usually, one of us clips the other's wings a little bit yeah. when we, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of us gets too close to the sun, uh, and the other one, and you're flying pretty close. <laughs> you're I'm flying pretty close. You just call me Icarus. Ah, so um, I was gonna go eight point nine. Okay. You know, I feel like the the price, the price for yeah. me, the ten dollars is a little bit much. If it had been eight ninety nine, I would have said, well, mm-hmm. maybe a little higher there. Uh, but the price was a little bit much. Okay, so I, I said 8.9. You said uh, 9.3, right? Uh, I did. 9.3. Okay. Uh, well, the good news is that doesn't matter at all. So all the time <laughs> that we just spent talking about that and you've been listening, it turns out that none of that stuff matters. Uh, what does matter is what the MTS computer thinks about this beer. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to type into the MTS computer some facts about this beer. And it's going to come back with an actual empirical, scientifically provable, algorithm-based artificial intelligence score for this beer um and so we said the price was 9.99 yep uh then we also said that the alcohol by volume is 6.4 percent the ibus are 55 the hops are nugget bravo delta northern brewery charlie that sounds like uh <laughs> cd call signs but those are actually hops and um and yeah and it, and it is a stout style beer uh, and I think that's all the MTS computer really needs to crunch it, to, to come back 
with a, an actual score. So it usually gets everything else figured out. Yeah. Okay. So um, I can hear the MTS computer winding down right now. I'm gonna go over there mm. and I'm gonna pick up the printout. Excuse me. Print out. <laughs> I'm gonna come back. And I'm gonna tell you exactly what the score is. The MTS computer score for the Obsidian Stout from Deschutesbury. One second here. I have to get a cool. I'll get this thing. I'll All sit right. here and drink the beer. All right. I just gotta. Run over here real quick and pick this thing up, and then I'll uh, come back and uh, get the score. Okay, so let's get this thing better. Get uh, okay. Uh, alrighty, uh, the MTS computer came back and uh, compiled the usual report. You know, and these things, the binding on them's gotten so good. You know, it's just really a, a modern marvel of engineering yeah. about how um, the aims for reports man right? it's beautiful um, uh, but anyway the, the only point that matters on the podcast at least you know I've got a closet full of these reports <laughs> but uh, the only thing that matters really is the uh, the score at the end of the day mm-hmm. um, and the MPS computer says uh, 9.1 whoa wow 9.1 on the MPS in the score. nines that's uh, rare that's pretty high air. praise so uh, you know the uh, Deschutes Brewery shoots and scores again. Deschutes and scores. Um, Brian, now we like to uh, fact check our um, our efforts, right? Yeah, like just to, just yeah, to get a baseline. Right, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a site called um, beersnob.com. If you haven't been there, go check them out. Yeah. It's kind of snobby. You want right. to take a shower after you go there. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, they like to fancy themselves. Um, Professional beer raiders as well, sommeliers as we call ourselves in the industry. Yeah, and um, they had four thousand people rate this beer. Okay, and Brian, they give it a paltry eight point three eight. Wow. Well, eight point. We'll, we'll round up eight point four. The MTS computer really doesn't speak to snobs. No. So I feel like uh, you know if you're not a snob. And you like beer, you'd like this beer. Just go, just go buy it. Yeah, definitely. So if you're uh, if the Shutesbury's Obsidian Stouts around, and you're it's a winter time, maybe it's getting a little chilly, and you want a little uh, feel like a stout. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with this one. So uh, okay, Glenn, let's move on to some interesting posts from Gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. All right. Well, uh, speaking of stout beers, um, we have an article from Food and Wine. And I saw this, and it made me a little giddy, because it said, the title is, Guinness to Release a Stout Aged in Bullet Bourbon Barrels. Now, I like Guinness. I like bourbon. Um, this seems like a good idea. And I like bourbon bourbon aged stouts. In fact, I had a, um, I went to the Deschutes Brewery uh, two years ago, two or three years ago, and had a... Um, Barrel aged obsidian stout. It was like a year. They aged it for a year. It was amazing. <laughs> in in a whiskey barrel or yeah, in a whiskey barrel. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it was it was really really good. Mm. Anyway, so I'm a I'm a fan of this. And what's even more interesting, Brian, to kind of bring it all home is that we talked about a few podcasts back about Guinness opening up a um, a brewery here in the states. Yes, a bottling. Distri- uh, well, no, it, it, it's a it's a it's a brewery. It's it's a it's like a destination kind yes. of brewery thing where it's it's kind of specialty. They, they brew certain things there, but uh, it's it's kind of a, an attraction so people can come and right and see you know see the brewery and, and all those things. So. Yeah, when they when they announced that brewery, people were really excited until they found out that they're actually not going to brew the flagship stout mm-hmm. over. In the states, they're going to keep it across the pond. So, really, this is kind of an update, like we always promise to give to people. Exactly, um, and we followed up exactly we like we said we were, and here we are. We, you, we're like death taxes, gentlemen. Podcast. Yes, we're we going to follow up. We're going to follow up on these stories. And so, the uh, Baltimore area um, brewery, we'll call it brewery mm-hmm. um, tap room. I think that's mm. what it's... There we go. Tap yeah. Room. Yeah. Um, they have created a couple beers there. They have an IPA. They have a coffee stout. And now they're going to start bottling this um, 
bourbon aged stout. So the the tagline is "Made in Ireland, aged in America." Okay, and uh, so it should be good. Uh, and it's bullet bourbon. Bur- bullet bourbon, yeah. Okay, which yeah. is a, which is a great bourbon. Not yeah, that, it is. I don't know if it really matters. Like once you're aging it in the the barrel that it was in, I don't know. I mean, would it make any difference if it was Granddad? Well, in a granddad barrel? If it was a, uh, yeah, I'd be in Baltimore right now, um, <laughs> drinking that beer. Pounding on the door. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they're going to bottle it. They're going to sell it. Hopefully, we'll get our hands on it. Yeah, this is, uh, this is really cool. Um, you know, uh, the Guinness Brewery is, is, they're, they're trying to do some things to appeal to craft brewers in America. And, uh, this is one of those things where they're going to, uh, combine forces with the Bullet Brewing Company and, or Bullet Distillery and, uh, and make a unique beer based on that. And I believe the what is was their stout that they're basing it on? It's the Antwerp, the Antwerp stout, which so I think we might have rated. Maybe we've we've done a couple of Guinness things. I believe we've rated their stag or their flagship. Yep, stout as well as their uh, what's it called? Import stout. Oh yeah, maybe that's the one. Which I thought is we the had one another that one that they uh, in, they imported in America uh, for. Different reasons, uh, but uh, well, yeah, I can't. Re- I can't recall the exact. There, there's a whole story behind why Guinness had a particular stout that they imported into America, right? Like, like a stronger departure from their normal stout. So, yeah, it's something to do with the taste. Like uh, I can't remember. Exactly yeah, that. there's a whole story behind it. But yeah. um, anyway, point is, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying this one. I hope. It, yeah, I hope it makes it out here. <laughs> They're going to bottle it, right? So. We may be road tripping. Well, to uh, the east. That's a you know. I feel like the Uncle Sam might uh, look the other way if we have to uh, declare that on our taxes. <laughs> uh, oh no, it's for the podcast. Yeah, Uncle exactly. Uh, and we can prove it because we just talked about it. So, yep. um, that and we have witnesses. Totally fine. Uh, okay, Glenn. And speaking of things that are totally fine, uh, let's move on to our next post, which yep. is actually from me on on gentleman dot com, which is uh, called Umama. Uh, interstellar object may have been an alien probe and uh, this is a little article over from our friends at cnn.com and uh, basically the gist of this is that this is an attention attention grabbing headline yes may have been an alien probe is something that's going to incite a lot of emotions (laughs) you know uh, uh, if you've been probed by an alien, Brian, for me, you will. Okay. For me, when I saw this headline, I I didn't feel good about it. It made me. I would I would say the emotion I felt was unease. Mm. And um, basically, the deal is there was this object that came into our solar system, and at first it was they thought it was a comet, something like that. That was. You know, a natural kind of thing. Right. And then it turned out that it came into our solar system. And once it got into a certain situation, it accelerated faster and came out of our solar system. So it mm-hmm. came in and out. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to a paper by researchers at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics... Which we discuss all the time on Journal. Yeah, they sound like smart guys. Um, They thought, some researchers there thought it may have been a fully operational probe sent intentionally to Earth Mm. by an alien civilization. And Hmm. they felt that considering its artificial origin, Mm -hmm. one possibility is that it is a light sail floating in interstellar space as debris from advanced techno- technological equipment. Mm. And uh, so they were kind of suggesting that it was powered by solar radiation and sent here by an alien civilization to mm. maybe see what's going on here on Earth. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I had a, a... It kind of reminded me of a little movie <laughs> called Independence Day. And it brought up, uh, mm. you know, uh, feelings of uh, hearkening back to Bill Pullman giving a compelling speech, mm. Will Smith flying a aircraft, alien aircraft, an, yeah. an alien aircraft, um, the White House mm-hmm. being exploded mm-hmm. uh, was 
uh, another image that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically the idea, uh, now this has been refuted. People are saying this is crazy. You know, mm-hmm. there's no evidence to suggest that this thing, mm-hmm. is, you know, but if it was an alien probe, do you think that people would be saying, oh yeah, it's, uh, this is, this makes sense. Yeah. It probably is an alien probe. It's a good point, Brian. I hadn't thought of that. Um, this could be a cover up, right? I hope not. Glenn, I, the, I look. I read this and I was like, you know, this makes me feel not great about things. Because <laughs> if there's an alien probe that flies into our solar system from another solar system and then jets the hell out of here, uh, you know, I. It's like, well, we've seen what we need to. You think they saw us? Yeah, I think they saw us. Okay, so? well, let's, get, we're, let's uh, get the mothership over here. Here's what I think happened, Brian. Alien, you know, craft flying around our, our solar system. Yes. Gets a little too close mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. breaks off part of the rudder. And this is what's flying through. Okay, so maybe it's a piece of... Yeah, so there's a, you know... A piece of the pie is out right. there floating around. Right. So, like, you know, you, you were telling me a story about how you went to a mechanic... And mm-hmm. you had an issue with your starter, yep. and he was like, oh, you know, we just get these repurposed parts, like, yep. it's all good, don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. I feel like maybe that, what's, what happened to these guys, like, they it's got a repurposed rudder here. A starter. Or, right, it's a their, starter. From their engine that it, just broke off. It's a lemon, right? Yeah, so exactly. Just, so they're just like, ah, send it over to Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> send it over to the Milky Way. They've got all that plastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Glenn, we'll see. Uh, but look. The point is, uh, I'm fully ready to write a virus and fly up to the mothership with Will Smith if the United States needs me to do that. I'm ready. Welcome to Earth. That's right. I'm ready for that. I'm just, mm-hmm. let me just put that out there. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, we'll keep eyes on this. And I will also say that I, for one, welcome our new right. alien overlords. That's right. So. I'm open to any, you know. Yeah. Uh, hey. Other beans. That- you know, we'll we'll give you the specs to the MTS computer. Whoa, let's Brian. just Brian. Hey. You know, let's keep the what, whatever. Maybe they don't know what beer they need. is. Let's just roll out the red carpet. <laughs> is that that's all I'm saying? You know. <laughs> now we've seen that movie before. Well, it doesn't end well for the guys who roll out the carpet. Well, you end up squishing them. Uh, I'll take my chances, and uh, I would say that me and Glenn will go on record and. Uh, <laughs> Where are the earthlings you want to work with? That's true. Really, you know. I guess if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. That's right. So, come to us. We'll share some obsidian stout beer. There we go. And we'll talk about it. Before you blow up Earth. (laughs) Yeah. Before you take the time to blow up Earth, let's let's talk about it. Let's sit down with some stouts and talk about it. Let's take things down a notch. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, anyway, hopefully that doesn't happen. But if it does, we're ready. But it could. And we're ready. And we're ready. And you can trust that the leaders of gentlemen.com will get this taken care of. <laughs> Would um, be the first time. And then uh, finally, Glenn, we're going to talk about uh, one last thing that was posted to gentlemen.com the last two weeks or so. Uh, and this was posted to the site by you. And this is called Ardman Animation is giving the company to their employees. Uh, and this is a, a great story. And, and people out there might not know the name Ardman uh, animation, uh, because it's 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 very heavily ingrained in British culture. Mm-hmm. But uh, they've had a lot of success recently with the Wallace and Gromit mm-hmm. thing. Uh, there was the what what's the name of the the chicken movie? Chicken Chicken Run Chicken Run. Yep, that's the those are highest grossing stop motion uh, movie of all time. Okay, yeah, um, and these guys are a UK based company that uh, I happen to just recently watched a movie about uh on on netflix that that talked about how they kind of came to be and two college friends were interested in animation and they just kind of got started doing stop motion stuff and they started creating these things that were really kind of revolutionary at the time uh they were using backgrounds of, of pictures and a plasticine character called Ardman and they were basically creating funny comics based like animation comic kind of things and the BBC somehow got a hold of them 
and paid them to continue to make these things. And so they kind of built this company off of this Aardman character and making uh, stop-motion animation. In 1985, there was a student that had been heavily inspired by these guys, and he created Wallace and Gromit. Mm-hmm. And that became, like, their biggest, you know, well, the most well-known characters yeah. that, they, that they've ever had. And... Uh, and so now, now they they have this huge company. It's almost like you could almost think it's think of it like a, a British version of Pixar or something yeah. like that. I mean, these guys are really well known in the BBC or in the in the UK, and uh, they have all these characters that are you know kind of ingrained in British culture. And you know, the Chicken Run stuff and the mm-hmm. Wallace and Gromit stuff is actually like a really well known. Mm-hmm. And then there's also one, uh, Shaun the Sheep, Shaun the Sheep yeah. which is another character that they've kind of developed based on all that. So it's a very kind of analog situation to maybe Pixar without, it's like a lo-fi Pixar essentially. Uh, but the point is they have 140 employees. They're in the, B- they're in the, uh, UK and they've decided to seed over 75% of their company to their 140 employees and they're basically going to keep 25% of the company, the two, the two founders of the company, and allow their employees that have been there for a certain amount of time to own the entire thing, have a board that mm-hmm. decides the direction of the company and kind of remains independent. Um, so it's a really cool... They went through all these hoops to make this thing happen. It mm-hmm. wasn't just like, you know, we're going to sell this thing to somebody else or anything like that. They, they wanted to find a way to make this thing happen. Uh, and this, so this is a really cool story about a business that they built and then they want to keep it in the hands of people that can make it what it should be, which is independent. Right. They they didn't want to get like just sold by or bought by a, another larger conglomerate or something like that. Like Pixar, like buying. Right. You know, that's a good example. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool that they uh, they did that. And they're giving the company it, – it's everyone wins, right? The employees win. Because now they have stock in this thing that they've helped create mm-hmm. and like grow. Mm-hmm. The owners win because they're going to cash out and have a comfortable yeah. retirement. Right. But they're not going to be stupid rich. Right. Um, which is what they could have done. They could have just sold it and then had all a tons of money and then who knows what would have happened to it. Yeah. But it's really, really cool to see companies like, I guess I would call it like responsibly, a responsible exit kind of, kind of deal where they don't get caught up in money and in turmoil and politics they just say hey yeah let's do the right thing here we all help make this thing we started it we'll just take our our bit and we'll hand it over to you guys cuz you guys are capable and you know. i think i think a lot of i think a lot of people that you know if it is just one or two people that start a company i think that they they don't want to sell it off to some you know like they don't want to sell it off to disney because they don't want it to become just some right. subsidiary of whatever right. they want to have something that's uh, unique and special, and I know I think that their headquarters are based in Bristol, which isn't like a huge town or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it's like uh, it's kind of a smaller town kind of company. And I'm not saying Bris- Bristol is a small town. I don't know the size of their town. It's but not. When, it's not London. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not you know Hollywood basically. Right. Um, and so um, my impression of it was that these guys created this thing and were able to grow it and make it really special and they don't want to see that go away by just selling it off somewhere. And they've had plenty of people that, um, have been interested. They like, I, I, during the, the film that I watched about it, they, they, you know, all, all the big studios are all interested in buying yeah. up the, you know, the characters and being able to do, the you license. know, yeah. yeah. So being happy meals. Yeah. Um, looked up the size of Br- Bristol and it's about seven hundred twenty thousand people. Okay. So yeah, a small metropolis. Yeah, well, not small. Yeah, it's a good sized town, but not you know not huge. You know, not huge, and it's it. I'm sure they have a really cool uh, environment there and all that stuff. So yeah. it's kind of anyway. The point is, um, they're making a ton of money. It's a really profitable business, and they're doing the right thing. At least I think they're do. Uh, I wouldn't say right thing, but I would say that they are. Thinking about things in a different way than just trying to sell it off to some corporation. Absolutely, which is cool. I I love their their shorts. I mean the the Were Rabbit, uh, the Night of the 
None of the living where rabbit. I can't remember which one it was. I watched that one. I think I watched Shaun of the Sheep. And then I haven't actually seen Chicken Run. Mm-hmm. Neither have I. But it was like a hugely popular movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, you know, their movies are heavily based on like on story. And Chicken Run mm-hmm. apparently is based around the idea loosely of the Great Escape, which yeah. is the yeah. uh, World War Two right. You know, classic uh, movie about, uh, you know, escaping a PDWO camp. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is just that it's, like, flipped into being chickens, and (laughs) um, which is brilliant. And uh, the the thing that I was watching had several actors and directors just talking about how good the stories are. That they're, I mean, even, like, if you want to bring your kids to it, you're still going to be really intrigued and invested in how the story is unfolding and all those things. Yeah, they're super clever. I mean... So really, it comes down to the people that can, you know, get the story right or the score, the story detail mm-hmm. done correctly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, kind of cool. I'm really, I'm, I'm glad to see stuff like this because I, I hate the idea that the only thing that happens is you have big companies and you create something successful, and then the big company eats up the small company, and that's how it all works. Yeah, it's like it's kind of cool that they're they're kind of giving their employees a chance to uh, to make things happen. So hopefully, uh, Ardman will be around for quite some time and it'll be run by employees and then uh it'll go on and on and on so absolutely uh we'll see we'll see what happens and we will uh circle back around and make sure that we follow up on this uh as we do in many circumstances yeah every single one every single one (laughs) okay glenn well that means it's time for the toast this week and uh this week glenn very sad news uh mr stan lee Mm. has passed away uh, Stan Lee, obviously, probably everybody out there knows. Stan Lee is the legendary creator of uh, some of the most iconic comic book characters of all time, which we all know have now morphed into uh, box office gold. Bonanza. Yeah. Um, and he created Black Panther, Spider-Man, the X-Men, Mighty Thor, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, The Incredible Hulk, Daredevil, and Ant-Man. And countless other characters. Uh, he was 95 years old, and he recently passed away. And um, in 2009, uh, Walt Disney bought uh, the Marvel Entertainment Company for four billion dollars. Apparently, he got around 75 million uh, of that, which to me seems like a little light. <laughs> it's hard for me to say 75 million is a little light, right? But he did create all the characters that That's... are driving all the sales of the movies. Um, so that's a lot of, that's not even like 20%. That's yeah. not 10%. Um, so anyway, that, uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, I do want to say that um, Disney CEO Bob Iger said, had a, a paragraph about, or a couple sentences about Stan Lee that I felt like were pretty amazing. Okay. Okay. After he passed away, he said Stan Lee was an extraordinary was as extraordinary as the characters he created. A superhero in his own right, to Marvel fans around the world, Stan had the power to inspire, entertain, and to connect. The scale of his imagination was only exceeded by the size of his heart. Wow. That's a pretty good statement right there. That, I have to say. That's pretty good. I just uh, I was just talking about bad about Disney, and then I was like, man, <laughs> that's a pretty you know, he, yeah, that's a that's a good statement about somebody that uh, is probably very true. It seems like Stan Lee did have a big heart. I've you know just seen his uh, appearances on different TV shows, and uh, yeah. you know he spent the last twenty years of his life kind of seemed like when the Marvel stuff kind of caught on and the movies and everything like that, his, his celebrity kind of grew up yeah. and stuff. And so he was able to, he's, you know, had a cameo in every movie. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but, uh, seems like a great guy, Stanley, uh, sad to see him go, but gosh, 95 years old and creating all those iconic characters. Right. And he got started creating these characters in 1939. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe that? 1939 was when he got started in the comic book business. Which was what was his first character? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. But hmm. man, I mean, can you imagine? No. Uh, 
I mean, just if he, after the depression. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's probably in his mid twenties or something. In the depression, yeah, yeah I mean, mid twenties in nineteen thirty nine, and no, starts his his whole thing. And, my history. That's that's World War Two. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, creates his comic book characters and stuff like that, and then you know, seventy years later, yeah, sixty years later, uh, they're the biggest grossing movies of all time. Based that's, on these, that's crew. slow play. Yeah, it really well is. Well done, Stan. Yeah, anyway, the slow burn. Uh, so, anyway, incredible story. Uh, Stanley seemed like an incredible guy, and uh, a cheers to and a toast to Mr. Stanley. Cheers. Okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the uh, hot button topic. topic. And uh, this week, Glenn, uh, we are. A couple of Kansas guys. Yes. Through and through. Yes. Um, you are a diehard and um, a graduate. Yes. Of the University of Kansas. Mm-hmm. And they recently fired their football coach for the third time in six years. Yes. Yes, they did. And uh, maybe the fourth time in in three years uh, or in four time four time in six years I'm not sure uh, no three okay so the point is here we are mm. again mm. this moment of time mm-hmm. and they have a choice ahead of them how mm. are they going to find a coach that's going to lead them to success on the field off the field and in between and the question is, who, who, who are they going to turn to to lead the KU program going forward? Well, Brian, it sounds like you're asking two questions there. And the first question is how. Yeah. Let me tell you how, Brian. Okay. Stacks and stacks of American cash. <laughs> um, and with that large, uh, <laughs> they're going to have to they're going to have to pony up. They they played it cheap the last uh, time around. They got a you know position coach. So they didn't have to pay him as much, but it's kind of a gamble, obviously. Yeah. And um, yeah, so here's what I'm thinking: our AD is gonna round up the usual suspects, gonna shake them down, get some cash, <laughs> get some get some get some cash get to some work cash. with. Yeah. And. Uh, we're going to go after Saban. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Okay. okay. Good choice. And there's another guy named yeah. Dabo Sweeney. Right. Sweeney. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard uh, of him. You know, yeah. uh, there's another one called Urban Meyer. He may be on the market. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Intriguing. Uh, and maybe, you know, Jim Harbaugh. You know, any of those four would be fantastic. Right. That'd be... That'd be but in all uh, seriousness, because they'll never come close to ever getting anybody of those, cal- of those calibers. Of that caliber? Um, I think probably the most realistic hire... It's going to be Dave Doran. Dave Doran. Okay. North Carolina State. Yeah. He uh, has some KU history. He has KU ties. He's, he was a, he coached here? Yeah. Well, he's a linebacker's coach? I can't remember what he was. It's on the D, I think. Mm-hmm. He's a positions coach at yeah. KU at one point. He's mm-hmm. gone on to do many great things. Um, come home, Dave. Dave, if you're listening, I know you are. This is a plea, a personal plea. I'm sure somebody's listening that's close to Dave. Dave. So, yeah. Let's get this done. So the thing is, you know, with these football coaching hires, it's really interesting because it's gotten, in the last 15 years, it's gotten more and more crazy because there's a lot of money on the line. So much at stake. And you're paying somebody, you know, $3 million a year, $2 million a year. Give it, you know, there's, there's guaranteed contracts being thrown out. Yep. You know what I mean? Where you say, well, we'll give you a six-year contract and it'll be guaranteed. And, you know, there's a $20 million buyout or, you know, whatever. It's just like crazy numbers uh, being thrown around. It's like you're getting a CEO of yeah. like a big company. It is. It really is. Yeah. You're hiring a CEO. And you have to make this guess based on <laughs> very little information, really. Right. I mean... Because if you're like say okay so like say you're KU and you have to guess whether or not somebody's going to be successful you have their past track record and maybe that's from a conference that it's not a Power Five conference if it is a Power Five conference like you said you've got to pay so much money to get that person because everybody wants them right you know? everybody wants to have a successful head coach 
and it's worth so much money to get the right person that it's so competitive that there's almost no way you can escape without paying three or four million dollars a a pop now and guaranteeing a certain amount or whatever that is. So you're talking about a $20 million investment in somebody Yep. and you have no idea whether it's going to work. And then the person that hires them, the athletic director is making Mm -hmm. less money than they are and they're supposed to be their boss. Right. And, uh, their job is on the line if that football coach doesn't work out. And KU's had, you know, several tries. Yep. And every single one has not been the right, the right fit to make it happen. So it makes it incredibly difficult to uh, to find a way to get that done. Another thing too, there's ramifications beyond college football. There's there's conference realignment. You know, if KU has a stinker of, a, of another five years of football, like right. That well, makes we're, we're kind of dead weight when it comes to uh, the mm-hmm. the TV contracts. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you, there's a lot at stake. High, lot at stake. Yeah, it's high stakes, and I think that you know KU's athletic director is apparently. I mean, the way that I interpret it is that he was intentionally brought in specifically to get the football hire correct. You know, yep. something that hasn't been done in several years at KU. They, they're trying to get it right, and so they hired the athletic director specifically. To make sure that that other hire goes right. Right. Man, this stuff, I can't even imagine what's going on at the highest levels of these universities like that. You know, you're dealing with all these high-level donors. Yep. The president of the university. Yep. The athletic director. These. Chancellor. The, 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 the coaches themselves, which have all kinds of things going on, you know. One of the things that the athletic director for KU talked about was that he needed to figure out who was actually really interested in the job, or who was just using that to get a better contract where right, they were at. Pay raise. You know, um, so as high stakes as all this stuff is, I mean, I can't even imagine trying to be involved with the search, trying to figure out who would be the right person to hire. You know what I mean? Well, you didn't say who you're. Who the pick was? Who the pick was? Who I, who, who, who would you with? want? If you if you could admit, if you could just suspend your disbelief, mm-hmm. well, I alternate thought, reality and be a KU fan. Well, you you talked about Dave Doran, yeah, but there's one other coach that we talked about that would yeah. be. Um, I was going to let you. Oh, okay. I was going to give well, you. A, a, a if you're not going to jump, you just slow threw that up. Slow pitch, right down the middle. Like, knock it out of the park. Yep. Uh, the pirate, Mike Leach. The pirate. Um, Mike Leach is, aside from Bill Snyder, who is definitely my favorite football coach of all time because he coaches at my alma mater, K-State. Yes. Um, Mike Leach is my favorite football coach of all time. Uh, I've read his, his first book, which is autobiographical, and then he wrote a second book. Um, which is uh, about it's like about Native American history. <laughs> uh, Mike Leach is a he's a lawyer. He's a head football coach. He's a Native American history enthusiast. Um, he is a great PR guy. I mean, when you listen to this guy talk, it's a great interview. He's a great interview. Uh, I was telling Glenn about a story where he <laughs> somebody dialed the wrong number on his phone and he had a 45 minute conversation with him and there was a a player there that was waiting to talk to Mike Leach and Mike Leach is talking about all this stuff you know all these different topics and they're talking about all this stuff and he gets off the phone with them and the you know the player says well who is that and he said I don't know it's the wrong number (laughs) and uh, you know he's just a really unique dude and I love his uh, just you know he's just a he's kind of a out of nowhere, basic kind of guy, but he, uh, man, I, I have to say, if if uh, KU hired him as a head coach, I would become a KU fan, and I would say that he can get it done. He can get it done. And he, he he has gotten it. Done. He's gotten it done. If he can get it done in Washington State, he can get it done at KU. Go Kooks. He can get it done at KU, no problem. Um, so there is a theory, Brian, that so his time at Texas, he was in the Big Twelve before. He's at Texas Tech. And his time there was tumultuous. Mm-hmm. There yeah, was some. There yeah. was some uh, reports about you know not 
Abuse is a strong word. I'm not going to say abuse. I don't know how you would define... Like, basically, it was like just taking workouts a little too far, taking... I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, but... Uh, so, there is a theory that that would be a compelling reason for a leech to come back to the Big 12 to, like, put the smack down on... Uh, His Texas, former team. Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah. And he would. Yeah. Because... You know they're consistently mediocre. Anyway, I, I, I yeah, I, I, I would, think Leach would be awesome. And oh. the great thing about Leach too would be that he would. It wouldn't be just like kind of a. It would be an invigoration. Okay, so you would basically have a very slick PR move. Everybody loves talking to Leach. He's always got something weird to say. Reporters love him. The nation, like, you know, the ESPNs of the world and everything like that, they love him because he's always got a good sound bite. So you get the the coach that, that everybody's going to immediately gravitate toward, and you get the, the you know, they know he's going to get it done. Right. So it's like immediate credibility. The recruiting right cachet. You know, uh, yep. You know, no matter what's happened in the last six years, boom, you get Mike Leach, you're, you're good. You know? All sins are forgiven. Exactly. Slate's clean. So if they could just throw a ton of money at Mike Leach, I would say... That would be a pretty good move. Oh, I, I, I hope that they just. I mean, the only if this is how we will know if if Ku is actually serious about this is if they they step up to the table with a lot of money. Like, yeah, that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to take. And it's it's an investment for the future. It really is. It's not like a. I think that was a problem with the previous. Well, we're getting tall grass now, but there is there were reports that the previous chancellor was like, "Whoa, we can't do buyouts. Mm-hmm. We can't do this." Yeah. Very academically focused, didn't yeah. care so much about, and it's really been a problem. Well, I mean, in the current situation with coaches, you've got to pay four million a year to get somebody that's worth a damn. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I I think you can pay two and a half or three and get you know an up and coming coach and all that stuff. But I don't know if Ku is in the realm of being able to take a risk i feel like they they need to go with somebody that's um it's been so long without having any success they need to find somebody that's been proven pay him a bunch of money and get him here just get it done just get it done so i don't know man i i i think doran would be great doran would be great i think he would be a really good hire he's been proven in multiple places he's a ku guy he has the history behind it um leech would be Home run times 10 higher. I mean, Grand Slam higher. I would uh, having Mike Leach back in the conference and oh. being able to, you know, just have that dude around, mm-hmm. it would be amazing. So, um, we'll see. Oh, now I'm all hot and bothered. Well, you know, I mean, just thinking about uh, <laughs> Mike Leach coming here would be oh, incredible. Now, I don't want any, anyone to get any ideas. We don't have any inside information. Gosh, I wish we did. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Um, but uh, but that'd be great. The thing about these searches is that there's always these lists of people. And, and you know, they're, uh, well, these are the 10 most likely candidates. And it never come, It never is any of those 10 candidates. It's always somebody from left field that you don't expect. So here's hoping that that candidate from left field that I don't expect is Mike Leach. It's so. from the way back left May, field. And Pullman, way, yeah. way less, yeah, <laughs> middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, west, uh, west of nowhere, yeah, in uh, Washington State. Um, we'll we'll see, but hopefully, uh, and I know Mike's listening, so you know, Mike, this is a personal plea. Uh, please look, come to Kansas. Hey, give you a free okay. gentleman account. Yeah, maybe a t-shirt. Um, so do we then? Okay, well that's uh, okay. We got that figured out. Now that wasn't as contentious as our normal hot button topic. <laughs> we both agree. We both came to the table with ideas and we discussed it <sighs> in a civil manner. Gosh, um, nobody's listening anymore. Well, <laughs> you know, it's not as controversial as we normally hit it, but uh, that's true. I feel like it was a good conversation, and we've got it sorted out. If uh, the athletic director from KU uh, listens to the podcast, well, you know, yeah, hey. Look, we got it figured out for you already. No problem. Jeff, it's a no-brainer. You don't have to do any work. Just, you know. Actually, send us out to, yeah. to go see Mike Leach. Nobody will suspect it. Nobody will suspect it. It'll be the perfect uh, clandestine move. We'll bring some arrowheads. 
Well, yeah, uh, exactly. We'll bring some more ancient uh, Indian artifacts. Anybody can go talk to Mike Leach. He's a, he's open to it. We'll, yeah. we'll discuss it. We'll get it all figured out. No problem. The thing I love about Mike Leach is he just doesn't care. No. Like, he he knows he can be successful Yeah, as a lawyer, mm-hmm. as whatever. He always has a backup plan. And yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he loves it. He loves being, you know, being the football coach, being the guy and all that stuff. Yeah. He's just, he's awesome. Mike Leach is a great, oh, man great figure in college football i don't think there's anyone better so uh anyway okay glenn well uh it's time for that means it's time for the final segment of the gentleman podcast which is questions for the gentleman mailbag and i was thinking you know um what is you know we got uh, we got uh uh thanksgiving coming up and we just had halloween and you know the thing about the united states is just that we have all these holidays that I, you know, from the outside looking in, I think mm-hmm. that probably some other country look at the United States and say, Halloween's weird. You know, Thanksgiving, that's weird. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, that, is, that is a very a little weird. Columbus you know? Day? Yeah, Columbus, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> don't even get me started yeah, there. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah but, the, uh, but the point is, Glenn, I was thinking, what other holidays that other countries celebrate that we don't celebrate that would be cool to have? In the United States. I mean, like a really widely, you know, uh, celebrated holiday. What? So, if there was some other country that had a holiday that you think would be cool to celebrate here, what would it be? Well, um, Brian, I actually, uh, last year, was in another country. And what happened to be there at a time that, well, they were celebrating a holiday that we don't celebrate here. Mm. And I was in England. Mm. And... They celebrate Guy Fawkes Day. Oh, okay. Interesting. Which is another... It's a weird day. It's a weird holiday because Guy Fawkes um, tried to blow up Parliament. Okay. As everyone knows. Well, I don't know. Okay. I mean, yeah, I do, yeah. but... He I was don't. a conspirator. He he thought, you know, the king should should die. And uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know about that. He tried to blow up Parliament. And so... so he was kind of a terrorist. He was a terrorist. And so, well, just look, we're, okay. So yeah, they, I'm so trying to unpack this, yeah. and this is a confusing part because um, if you've ever seen the movie V for Vendetta, I have. Yeah. Okay. They kind of make him out to be kind of like a celebrated figure, sort mm. of, but he's not. Really. Okay. Um, so the, the holiday in England is they have fireworks, like it's a big fireworks holiday, mm. and some places they'll do like a huge bonfire and they'll have an effigy of Guy Fox and they'll, oh. they'll burn him. <laughs> so, oh, so they they they. they don't like yeah guy fox w- w- right which is hard yeah which i didn't really understand and i think i'm trying to think of an analogy for an american holiday or ah there's no analogy um so is the spirit of the holiday that they don't like somebody that tries to yes do bad stuff to their government i th- i think so but i think it's more like it's like it's like the fourth of july Mm, okay. You know, people are less like, what's a Declaration of Independence? They're more about fireworks kind of deal. Right. Um, like the, the history is kind of... It's a little mingled. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or, or let's say Christmas, right? Maybe yeah. not everybody believes in the independence of Christmas, but they still have a tree and they celebrate right. the holiday some aspect. Yeah. That kind of deal. Okay. But I, I... Yeah. So... But it was really cool. We went to a huge fireworks display in London and... Um, I didn't see the effigies burned, but it was it was fun. It was a good time. I've always heard about Guy Fox Day, and I didn't understand what that exactly means. And I think I guess I I probably wouldn't unless I. Yeah, I mean, I was there, and I was like, "So you guys like Guy Fox?" And they're like, "No, well, no." <laughs> and I was like, "Hmm, hmm. okay, interesting." But there's another thing too, like, so they have the monarchy. And a lot of people don't like the monarchy. Yeah. But that's different right. than the parliament, which is the elected government. Right. And so I think the thing is don't mess with the democracy. elected government. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, now I want to look that up because I want to make sure I'm not spouting off. I mean, I do that on this podcast. I rewrite history. I've been known yeah. to. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we, I'll accept that and understand that about you, Glenn. Thank you. Well, remember, remember, 5th of November. 4th of November. 4th of November. 5th of November. 5th of November. 
Uh, yeah, 5th of November. Uh, Guy Fawkes had, uh, was arrested while guarding explosives placed beneath the House of Lords. Okay. So there you go. So it was it was to kill King James. But okay. so to so celebrate the, the fact that he didn't die, they lit bonfires around. Hmm. And anyway, they made it a national holiday. Okay. There you go. Interesting. Well, sometime I need to be in London for uh Fox Day. Uh if I had to pick one, I would say Day of the Dead. Dio de los Muertos. Yeah. Um, I think that's actually a really cool holiday and um, uh, pretty unique, pretty pretty cool. It's uh, you know it, it has some elements of what we have in Halloween, except uh, it is based around uh, people that have passed away. Right. It's very personal because you, uh, as I understand it, you uh, you you celebrate the people that you've known closely that have passed away. Um, a day of remembrance and celebration for their life. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, I, I kind of wish we had a little bit more of that with, uh, yeah. Cause Halloween's kind of the, I don't want to say a joke. It's not a joke, but it's like, it's, it's very lighthearted. It's very like, yeah, people just use it as an excuse to kind of dress up in a costume. And, it's like St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's not, not very serious. And I guess probably neither is maybe the, the Day of the Dead, but it's a celebration of, of right. people that have passed away, and that's pretty cool. Um, and uh, the other thing I read about was really interesting to me was the Chinese New Year. Oh, yeah. Which apparently... Um, can last up to 13 days. Yeah, it's a, it's a It's thing. like a big... Not just like one day. <laughs> you know, what we do in the U.S. for New Year's is kind of you go out to a New Year's party or maybe you're, you know, maybe you just celebrate with loved ones that you have or, or whatever it is. But it's one night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 that night between the years that, that turn over. And then it's like you wake up the next day and it's like, uh, here we are, 2019. Then you, you start know? your diet. Then you start... <laughs> Then you start going to the gym, you know. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, uh, but it seems like, yeah, you know, the passing of one year towards another one should should be kind of a bigger deal. You should be kind of maybe maybe it should be three days, maybe it should be five days where you're. It'd be a long weekend. Yeah, you could have different theme days of of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just seems that, so the Chinese New Year seems like it's really more um, appropriate as that they have parades with dragons. They're, you know, celebrating. They're having parties. It's like a multi-day thing. That seems more appropriate than just one day. And especially, I would say that, um, you know, at work, it would be good if it was just <laughs> not one day, but a multi-day holiday. To have a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes a while to shake off the old New Year celebration. <sighs> yeah, it does. So anyway, um, so th- those would be the two. I think the Day of the Dead would be uh, a pretty good thing to to have around and uh but i will say i do i you know uh the u.s has more holidays i think you know more weird holidays than other countries do thanksgiving st patrick's day that's kind of so weird um and then uh halloween halloween you know we celebrate that in england did you yeah really we went trick-or-treating oh really yeah in london that's weird. When it's I was in Australia, I didn't. <laughs> Australia, they uh, that was just like, what's this Halloween thing? I don't understand. No, Neither do I. Yeah, but I do it every yeah, year. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Uh, Fourth of July, Thanksgiving's definitely weird because yes. I mean, if I had to explain this to somebody that was coming in from another country, it would be the hardest damn thing to, to get across. I mean, we all eat turkey and these particular things. Once a year mm-hmm. with our family, and it's cool. It's like a cool holiday because, right. like, you're with your family, and and all those things are good. But it's also really hard to explain the origins of it and how it, you know, came about and what it means. I don't even know. I think the worst one's Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is weird. Yeah, not because I object to a day of like, you know. Uh, yeah, being with a loved one yeah. or anything like that, just that yeah. it's like so commercialized and weird. And yeah, 
It's just a racket. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway. That's true. Valentine's Day. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But then we have 4th of July, Memorial Day, uh, which is good. Memorial Day is good. That's kind of our day of remembrance. But yeah. But it's more of like mm-hmm. a day that nobody really partakes of because I think it's kind of too formal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fourth of July is, you know, the fireworks, it all, that all makes sense, kind of, you know, a little bit. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Which is, I think, a made-up thing that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's not. I think uh, the people of Corona made it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Glenn. Well, um, I say we, uh, for the next uh, podcast, we come up with our own holiday. Oh, there we go. Gentleman Day. And, uh, you know, we have to figure out what... Gentleman Day? Yeah. Is it like Prime Day? Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Amazon Prime. Yeah, exactly. Black Friday. Black Friday. That's a weird holiday-ish yeah. thing. It's not really a holiday. Yeah, it's not. It's not um, an observed holiday. No. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, let's let's just get this done with mm. because we, we've got too long, ourselves now. too many holidays uh, to talk about. Um Thank you guys for listening to episode 146 from the Gentleman Podcast. Uh, I'm Brent King. I'm Glenn Sandberg. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks for episode number 148. Good night. Enjoy the turkey. <laughs>